Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. You had better hook him up. The Longhorns are uh, college football playoff bound. And we're all over it this morning. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up. His conversation with uh, the ESPN guys right after the Longhorns, or not long after the Longhorns were announced as one of the four teams, number uh, three seed, which is... Uh, so pretty surprising to a lot of Longhorn fans. I was actually surprised yesterday how many people Longhorn fans were surprised because I, kind of like you, Rod, I went to bed feeling pretty good for the Longhorns yeah. after their, as I always say, through the course of the six weeks of the college football playoff rankings, once the puzzle is played, all the pieces are played. Yep. I, I, I will, this is not pat on the back, but do a pretty good job. I, I think I've been right every time of how they're going to fall, I mean, except for the TCU year, mm-hmm. 2014, the first year. But I think I've gotten it on the head each time. Yeah, because but. they lost the Big 12 title game. Yes. Is that what threw you off a little bit in yes. TCU year? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That was a weird one. It was like, no, no, last year I, I thought TCU was in. You thought TCU was in? Yeah. Okay. And remember, this is, this is where when, when people, you know. You said you were off about TCU, though. Remember the TCU-Baylor year way back in 2014? 20, oh, 2014. When they both got dropped. I thought you were talking about this. Yeah, well, I remember when they both got I dropped out. college football playoff. Okay, you're talking the about. The Trayvon Boykin TCU team. Oh, you're talking, okay, you're talking about going way back. Well, they went from three all the way out. Yes, and, yes, and they, yes. And, the Ridge Gary Patterson's TCU yes. squad. Okay, they, Trevon Boykin, that group. Right? Yeah, that one was like, oh wow. That, yeah, yeah, that was a good. Man, that was a good this is probably the most yeah. surprising yeah. national response since then. Um, there have been a couple other that were con- controversial, but this one, uh, and you understand why. But you know what? It was predictable going into the weekend that there are five conferences. If everybody wins and Alabama beats Georgia, you're going to have to make a decision. And we got mm-hmm. a good text from one of our uh, texters who. Uh, if I can find this, is uh, gosh, you guys are texting so fast. We can, I mean, they just pour in, and we appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Man. Uh, it's Missed pretty awesome. you guys. This says, my cousin is married to the daughter of one of the committee members. Oh. And ooh. she is saying that they're happy with the decision, but most members are not happy with the system and being made to make that choice. Yeah, that's why it's going to 12 next year. So, like you said, they don't have to worry about this anymore. This will be the last time they have to be put in that position next year. Everybody gets a shot at it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, um, you know, did they appease ESPN and SEC, or did they just get the right matchup becomes the question. It'll be the ongoing both. conversation. It's both. Yeah. I think they did I, both. I think both can be right. I think <laughs> they, they did both. And like I said, FSU, I, I get it. Everything that these young men uh, and everybody associated with that program have been taught for years about the meritocracy of sports and winning. Um, and, you know, that, that obviously now – it, it seems like that was a lie. <laughs> seems like it, that's why it seems like almost a blasphemous move when you talk about the the true meritocracy of sports and winning. They won, and that's that's what all that matters, right? No, actually, it, it's you know it's not well, all that I'll matters say in this, this situation. It, it, you were you were not here last week. Obviously, we're glad you're you're feeling so much better and back with us, and all through the protocols, and everybody at your house is healthy and feeling good. Yes, sir. Um, but. You know, to, Nick Shuley and I talked through this exact thing last week. I mean, Friday. Like, the question was, what if Alabama wins and Texas, Washington, um, and Florida State win? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- this was the get- – I mean, you just got to talk yourself through it. I mean, Alabama getting in, they now have a better 
you know, the, the win over Georgia is the best win of anybody in the country. To beat the number one team, we'd won 29 straight games. That now trumps Texas' win over Alabama as maybe the best win of the college football season. And now Texas still owns the Alabama win, which is buoyed by the Alabama win, reminding you, oh, wow, Texas is pretty damn good to beat Alabama, who beat Georgia. And then Washington was, you know, they, they were locked because they were a 13-0 and conference champion mm-hmm. with a healthy starting quarterback. And then it's going to come down to Bama, Florida State. And we, we saw the outcome. We see the decision. And you can certainly weigh in on it. But uh, you're right about the meritocracy and kind of the end of uh, – it won't happen next year. Next year there will be 12. And that doesn't help this year's Florida State team. It was, I think it's – it's sad, but I do think it's symbolic. We are watching – the 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 death of old school amateurism as we know it we know that the college football landscape is changing very drastically and a lot of it is centered around straight cash homie and the dollar dollar bill y'all and that's basically what they want they want the best four teams so they can get the best matchups so they can get higher ratings so that they can make a lot of money like that's what this comes out know florida state, wants the best florida state four, wouldn't do that you know who else wants the best four teams is us the fans i agree so we can watch but my so point the better is, games yeah. we won't watch and, and then not, right. we, don't, we don't watch that affects the bottom line that's right if you turn into a <laughs> yeah they're not this is not about the this is not about the sanctity right of amateurism no, and the sanctity it's about of the tv show it's about the tv show yeah, and tickets and matchups and quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. and, uh real quick though let's hear before we get to the headlines then rod's Let's hear Kirby Smart. This is this is important, I think, to this conversation, because Kirby Smart was lobbying for his team, of course, after their loss. Good for him. Uh, here was Kirby Smart making his point that guys, we, we, it's been established to us of what this criteria is. Here's Kirby Smart, the Georgia head coach, who's headed to play Florida State now in the uh, in the Orange Bowl. Look, Bill Hunt Hancock said <laughs> it's not the most deserving. He said simply, it's the best four teams. So. You're going to tell me somebody sitting in that uh, committee room and doesn't think that that Georgia team is not one of the best four teams. I don't know if they're in the right uh, profession because it's it's, it's a really good football team. It's a really talented football team. It's a really balanced football team. Um, So, you know, they have to make that decision. But it's the best four teams, and uh, that's critical. All right. So, uh, and I would say this for for Florida State fans who are rightfully upset – you see the early line on the Georgia, the Georgia game in the Orange Bowl with Florida State? Georgia oh. favored by 14. Well, yeah, because you don't have a quarterback. Right, Georgia favored by 14. <laughs> you don't have a quarterback. Right, and this, I mean, <laughs> that number right there, because Georgia, if they were playing Michigan, if Florida State was in playing Michigan, it would be about 14 to 17 points that Michigan would be favored. That doesn't mean they're going to win the game. That, that, that's, that would be the power, bro- power structure, and this is what – the TV networks don't want. They don't want a blowout uh, in a semifinal game in the in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and, 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 and honestly, nobody wants that. And it helps Texas too because you don't want Michigan having essentially a bye in that first, in that semifinal where they can do some. <clears throat> Advanced scouting on Texas, <laughs> and because they're not worried about Florida State as a threat, and they basically get a bye week now instead of that bye week where you know they won't be physically uh, pushed to the limit because Florida State just couldn't do that without a an elite quarterback or without their first team quarterback. Now going up against Alabama, that's why there was a collective like <laughs> groan in that room when it was announced because they not because they are scared of Bama. They're not scared of Michigan's not scared of Bama. Michigan knows. Damn, that's going to wear us out. Like, we can beat them, but it's going to be a slobber knocker. It's going to be a straight oh, up. Man, be some, it's going to be a street fight now. That's a pain painting that game. Yeah, so Ooh. for Texas, this is the best case. You beat Washington, and the next opponent you play, whether it's Bama or whether it's Michigan, they're going to be beat up. 
Yeah, that because those teams, this is the way they play. It's gonna be physical, yeah. It's gonna be physical, man. Good point. Good point. And uh, you know that, that that's a sexy matchup too. By the way, Jalen Milrow against JJ McCarthy, mm-hmm. and that you just feel really, really bad for Florida State. That's obvious. Hey, let's get to the uh, other headlines, though. Trending topics to start this uh, busy, busy Monday morning, to say the least. All right, more on the Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment, by the way, bringing you the headlines. We'll have more on the Longhorns coming up. Longhorns, by the way, an early five-point favorite over Washington in the Sugar Bowl at 7.45 on New Year's night. Number one, Michigan. Number two, uh, number four, Alabama will play in the Rose Bowl. The winners will meet down in Houston for the national championship. That's how it will play out. A couple other notes from Texas. Steve Sarkeesian did say yesterday he's very confident both Xavier Worthy and Ryan Watts will be available for the game in a month, despite both leaving Saturday's game and the win over Oklahoma State with injuries. Texas co-defensive coordinator Jeff Choate, meanwhile, has emerged as the top target for the Nevada Wolfpack uh, head coaching vacancy. According to Bruce Feldman of TheAthletic.com, Choate is the, uh, was the head coach at Montana State before coming to Texas to uh, work with PK and coach linebackers. Seven other teams from Texas going to, to bowls as well after yesterday's announcements. That includes Texas State for the first time in program history. Congratulations to G.J. Kenny. His 7-5 and five Bobcats will face the Rice Owls in the first responders bowl up in the Metroplex December the 26th. A&M, Texas A&M will face Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl on the 27th of December. Texas Tech will meet Cal in the Independence Bowl. SMU will meet Boston College at Fenway Park in the Fenway Bowl December 28th. And UTSA will play Marshall in the Frisco Bowl December the 19th. Speaking of Texas State, their former head coach, Jake Spavital, is going to be introduced today as the new offensive coordinator for Dave Aranda at Baylor. Spavital did a great job in one year at Cal, improving the offense there. Also on the 40 acres over the weekend, huge afternoon yesterday for the Texas women. Uh, their basketball team took down mighty UConn 80-68. to Texas guards Rory Harmon, uh, just fantastic yesterday. 27 points, 13 assists. Uh, freshman Madison Booker had 20 points. Horns remain undefeated. They topped the Huskies for the first time ever. They had been 0 for 10 at Texas uh, at Gregory Gym over the weekend. Texas women's volleyball advanced to the round of 16 in that tournament, NCAA. Uh, they will now travel to Tennessee to face Stanford, excuse me, to, to travel to Stanford to face Tennessee this coming Thursday night. NFL, how about the Houston Texans? They uh, match up with major playoff implications. Texans improved to 7-5 and five and snapped the Broncos' five-game winning streak with a 22-17 win. D'Amico Ryan's defense stepped up huge in the game's closing seconds. Russell Wilson, Denver with the ball from the about the 11-yard line with 14 seconds to go. Wilson in trouble, avoids it, rifles, intercepted! Jimmy Ward in the end zone. Game over. Game over right there. Texans now 7-5. and five. Colts are also 7-5 and five in the division. They're both play chasing Jacksonville, who will wrap up uh, the week with week uh, Monday Night Football tonight. Jaguars hosting Cincinnati. Sunday Night Football last night suddenly surging Packers. Beat the Chiefs at Lambeau Field 27-19. High school football schedules are set for this week's state division state semifinal matchups. Westlake will face Galena Park North Shore in the 6A Division I semifinal Saturday afternoon at the, at the Field in Pflugerville. That's where the Shaps topped Lake Travis 21-14 this past Saturday. Undefeated Wimberley Texans will play at the field as well in the 4A Division II semis. That'll be against Belleville on Friday night. And Liberty Hill hits the road to Cypress to take on Port Neches Groves in the 5A Division II semifinals also on Friday night. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, we get into uh, Raj Rap today. We'll get back to some of the uh, the Oklahoma State uh, game and breaking it down. But, oh, man, I, I can't help but already start looking ahead to this Washington um, game against the uh, the Huskies. It's it's interesting, Kalen DeBoer. I love the coaching matchups in this Final Four. 
and I love the coaches. Oh, Harbaugh Saban, come on now. Because, yeah, think about this, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's break this down a little bit. Because, yeah, it makes you giddy. Because Harbaugh, if you're talking about – because I always say the NFL and college football are basically two different – they're two different sports. Yep. So you got talent acquisition everything. It's just two – recruiting, it's just two different sports. Um, that's why you can be a goat in one and, and, and then try to transition to the other and have very little success like a Saban. Um, and, you know, when you can see it, it doesn't often translate your transition from pro to college or, or vice versa. But Harbaugh is a ball coach. Has had success at both, and everywhere he's gone, programs have gotten better because he's just a ball coach. And you can probably put him at a high school level and do that. You see them do it at, you know, the lowest levels of college, Stanford did it, Michigan, at the NFL level with the 49ers. I mean, that's just the, the hardball in the hardball bloodstream, right? So you got the ultimate ball coach in hardball, can coach at any level. You got the GOAT in Nick Saban because he's the freaking GOAT. You got Kalen DeBoer, and this a lot of people don't know enough about how good Kalen DeBoer is. We've been talking about him here on the show. Yeah, we got to know him last year because yes, Texas, played, Texas played him. And so we say, we've been talking about him for a while here, but most of the country doesn't know really how good he is. Guys, he's 103 and 11. His entire <laughs> career as a head coach, 103 and 11. Now, that's at Sioux Falls and Fresno State and obviously at Washington, a couple of places, but guys. He's 24-2 and two at Washington. Good Lord. He's 24-2 at Washington. He's 36-8 and eight in the FBS. He's 10-1 and one versus top 25 teams. He's 9-0 and oh versus top 25 at Washington because he is a hell of a coach. Some people believe right now in terms of fast risers that there's a case to be made that he is the best young coach in college football right now. Well, look, I mean, that, all you do is watch Friday night, that Oregon game. The Washington got off to the great start. Uh, Oregon, you know, favored by 10 points. Maybe the better team overall came back, took control of the game, took the lead 24-21. And what did his team do? They didn't buckle. No. They responded. They're great in clutch time. Yep. Why? Because he's great in clutch time. Yep, so that's exactly plays. right. But then I love the Sark angle because at one time Sark was a prodigy. On you know, Al Davis loved him, and, you know, head yeah, coach at USC. Head coach, job at 30. Exactly, right? Um, got off the rails, uh, but, you know, conquered those demons, figured that out, and now he's back in Texas. You could make the argument this is probably where he should have been, that where he was going to be. You know what I mean? If things getting derailed, you said he's ahead of schedule. Sark has evolved as a coach. You guys know that. I've documented it right, on these airwaves. Sark, is, this is not the same coach he was in 2021, not the same coach he was in 2022. Okay, let's think about the big issues for Texas in 2022. I guess I'm going on my rant now then uh <laughs> well, let's open it up let's do it at 7 15 that's Might right well. on time right let's on cue your, your body's telling your body's telling you it's time for the rant <laughs> let's go rod's rant of the day is brought to you by apple leasing the easiest and safest way to get a new car any make any model click appleleasing.com and experience how easy it is I'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Okay, so the big issue for Sark last season, and you can even take it back to 2021 if you want to, but I know people don't want to do it. That's very painful. Let's just take it back to 2022. The big issue was what? One-score games, right? Couldn't win the one-score games and couldn't close out games in the fourth quarter, and then the second half adjustments we talked about, right, winning the chess match within the game uh, with opposing coordinators, with opposing coaches. And there was an emphasis on that in the offseason by Sark. He even talked about they're going to play more guys, so they're fresh in the fourth quarter. He threw multiple solutions at the problem. And I always say, what I say about coaches? They're problem solvers. Just solve the problem. 
And sometimes you don't know how to solve the problem. You just got to throw a lot of different solutions at it until you figure out exactly what the best remedy may be. And Sark did that. Second half issues and their ability to, inability to close in the fourth quarter. Played more guys, so he said be fresher, even though a lot of folks said, oh, man, that's actually hurting Texas because they're, you know, they're exposed and they can be exploited with, you know, rotating these guys, not always having their front-line guys in there. Sark didn't care. He remained steadfast. We're going to be a better team in the fourth quarter, in the second half, if we have fresher bodies in the fourth quarter, in the second half. He also talked about how he changed up his practices to make sure that they were more intense toward the end of practice so that they can focus on the fourth quarter and closing out games. We know it was a point uh, of emphasis with him just talking to the team because guys like JT Sanders brought up that he, in the offseason, that he knew, oh, we know that the narrative about Texas that we can't close. We know. We know. We know. And we're going to rectify that. And what happened in this, in this season, right, even though I know that <laughs> there were some games where they, they performed in clutch time but didn't necessarily close out the opponents the way they wanted to, but you saw this team become a fourth-quarter team. You saw this team become a clutch team that made uh, clutch plays in critical moments. You know, not, in not, all phases too, Rod. Yes. So, and I'll give the players credit. Of course, players made plays in critical moments, but you've got to give Sarkis credit because Sark emphasized it. Yep. Like Sark, Sark evolved the blueprint. He figured out, like, these are our issues. Let's address what our issues are. And I, I, I give him a ton, a ton of credit for that growth as a, as a, as a uh, play caller and as a head coach. I've documented how we've seen him figure out his antidote and remedy to the three high three down defense. We talked about that in, uh, in the last Behind the Burn on Curtain, and we may do it again. Um, but even this season, the, the big issue for them this season has been red zone offense. Um, and I don't know if they figured out red zone offense. I don't know. They we did don't have Saturday. A, we, don't, except, <laughs> we don't have a large enough sample size. We do not have a large enough sample size, right? It, it, pretty much they've been bad at red zone offense all year long. doesn't matter even if they have a great offensive performance or a bad one. If they're opposing defenses, a good red zone defense or bad red zone defense, it doesn't matter. Texas has been bad there. One of the worst. I'm about 120-something in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. But they were 5-5 five five in that game versus Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game. And that, to me, if I'm a Longhorn fan, brings me a lot of hope because we've talked about it several times. One of the big issues holding back this Texas squad has been their inability to score in the red zone. You can make the argument they're the number one team, the best team in the country potentially, if they could actually score at a in a reasonable rate. I'm not saying they have to be the best red yeah, zone. They'll be 115th offense. in the country. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, they'd beat Oklahoma, and so they wouldn't have and a loss. So they would be number one. They would be number if, one if they, if they were better in the red zone at that moment. Yes. They would have beaten, won that game. Yeah, five of five in the red zone, and I think in the red zone he actually changed up his philosophy. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what Sark has to say about it when the media talks to him again. I think he went players, not plays, in the red zone this time. I think he's thinking about getting the ball to players. First of all, it's Andre Sweat thing, right? Um, but the AD, awesome. yeah, AD Mitchell is your best red zone target. They start out when they get the first time they get in the red zone. Let's go to AD. Let's get it. AD's our guy. Uh, they go to AD there. The Jaden Blue swing pass uh, that they end up scoring on. I think that was specific. That was that looked like that was game plan specific and matchup specific to me. Um, get his going, feet to the edge. Exactly right. Get those. Talk about those linebackers chasing. Remember you talked about that. Yep. Linebackers chasing, trying to work through traffic. That seemed to me to be specific. So I think in the red zone he was thinking players, not plays in the red zone, and maybe that helped him. You still got to have the really nice plays and dial them up, uh, but it seems like he was looking specifically for certain players in the red zone on plays and helped them out. Either way, if Texas is going to be you know, that efficient in the red zone like we saw versus Oklahoma State, um, you may be talking about a Texas team that can pull off you know, the big win over Washington and 
you know, win the national title just because we haven't seen this team, that version of the Texas offense, we have not seen all season. They've not yeah. been that good in the red zone well, all year. Uh, just flip, flip it around. <laughs> like, if Oklahoma State was going to be in that game, they needed to force some field goals in that spot yeah. and give themselves a chance. And that's how Oklahoma hung around. And other teams have hung around with Texas by forcing field goals. Heck, Tech, you know, forced five Texas field goals. That was the key. Um, you know, when you put seven on the board and you it's just like landing huge, huge blows in a boxing match, you know, you, these aren't like gut punches that take their toll. These are, you know, haymakers, haymakers to the yeah. jaw. Yeah. And Oklahoma State was just – Staggered. It was over, and that's the that's how dangerous the team. Be. But to your point about the the, the entire year, uh, it's well said because Sark has told us. Like I mean, we know they spent a lot of the offseason focusing on Alabama, mm-hmm. be ready for that game because yep. they knew how pivotal it was. And Sark, by the way, says we're not backing off playing tough teams in the non-conference. By the way, we we're going to play Michigan. We're going to play Ohio yeah, State. We ain't scared. We think it's good for us. Don't be scared. And be scared go to church. So you, and he also said all, all summer, we worked on fourth quarter. We he were He kept talking about it. And, and so you show up, you beat Alabama, you're great in the fourth quarter, but clearly during the year you had to get back to working on being four quarter. Mm-hmm. Like almost you took your eye off of that ball. Okay, wait a second. We're great in the fourth quarter now, but we're not as good for, you know, we take lulls here. We've got to fix mm-hmm. that. And the last couple of weeks, and certainly even, I think if you go Iowa State Tech in this game, their best full four quarters of football. Agreed. Of the season, which should be scary for Washington and Georgia and Michigan, because yeah. now Texas has a month to get healthier. And I would also say during that stretch where they were frustrating as a team for the fans, uh, but finding ways to win, they were banged up. I mean, they had a hurt quarterback, they had a hurt center, they had a hurt tight end. Uh, they were banged up. Uh, they lost their center in the Oklahoma game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, so I mean, they were they were not. As, but you know, every team deals with injuries. I'm not saying that's an excuse, yeah. but you know, the fact that they survived that, didn't take a loss, found a way to beat K State with a backup quarterback. Uh, didn't take that second big L mm-hmm. and to get healthy. Remember right before the Iowa State game, where it was TCU, where Sark said we had everybody practicing for the first time. It was wonderful. Almost jinxed him. Uh, and then <laughs> Jonathan Brooks got hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, and then they were able to show that they're deep enough to weather a big injury to your, mm-hmm. your best running back. That's that, you know, you know, every team is looking at it right now that has made it into this tournament feeling pretty good. Washington feels great. You know, they're yes, getting healthier. They're they, getting they, they've healthy. They've had their wide receivers actually have been uh, off and on. They, they haven't had their full complement of wide receivers no. all season, guys. What a hell of a game that's going to be. Oh, it's going to be great. Because, as you said, Texas' secondary is probably their most vulnerable spot. They're not going to run against Texas. We know that. Um, well, they did last year. Well, they Remember did. Last year, they, they had did, right for 150 they did yards on Texas. Yeah, that was at that game. That was a that was a lame Texas performance. It was yeah. uh, post Bijan and Rojo. Yeah, and be, they were they, those guys were, didn't feel like they were playing with that level of intensity. Quinn played pretty well that game, though. Quinn did. That, that was, was that was exciting. That was, yeah, that was actually one he of was, Quinn's he was better rusty games. Rusty a little early, and then boy, the second half he was outstanding. And that's the and, thing about Kalen DeBoer that's interesting though, because like Sark, he's grown, right? Sark, we know Sark was pass happy. Another thing that Sark fixed last year that we all. This is in the Oklahoma State game last year. The frivolous deep shots, right? Where he's chasing the deep ball constantly. He's like, Sark, you haven't seen it, right? Every now and then they'll take a shot, but it's a more judicious, calculated shot. It's not just frivolous shots on first down, just throwing it downfield. That's how Gundy beat him. Yeah. Last year, Gundy beat him last year because he kept suckering Sark into taking that deep shot, and Sark could not resist. He's like, I need that deep ball, baby. I'm looking for that deep ball. But this year, He's, he's cut, actually, early, early in the season, he was taking those deep shots. But as the season goes on, I think he's understood that it's hurt, it's hurt, it's hurt them more than it's helped them. And he's actually accepted that, you know what, that's not necessarily a strength of our offense. It's not a strength of Quinn's. 
But there are other strengths that we can emphasize, that we can highlight, that we can weaponize within this offense. So all the different ways that Sark has grown have to be documented because the team has gotten better, but it's also because he has gotten better. That's why he's in this group of coaches now. If he, if he didn't involve as a coach, he would not be here with Kalen DeBoer and with the GOAT Nick Saban no, and, right. with, and with the ball coach Harbaugh. Well, that's what we said last year when they were eight and five. It's like, look, if you want to, I mean, Sonny Dykes was a toast to the town and was considered. Mm-hmm. You know what? You that you you got to you got to prove it. You said when the season began, Sark will either, you know, everybody that supports Sark is going to have their argument. Everyone who thinks that there are doubts are going to obviously have theirs, and Sark has uh, dispelled all because I think this team has gotten better as the years gone on. They fixed problems as they've cropped up. And um, here they are playing yep. for for a championship. And you're right with DeBoer. Uh, I was thinking about you watching that game Friday night. Um, you know, tendency breakers, right? I mean, <sighs> Washington came into that game heavy pass, like their 75% pass to 25% run. Yep. Biggest game of the year. They ran it like crazy. They had a exactly. running back with 28 carries. Yep. They did it twice this year, right? Because USC, they did the same thing yeah, as they USC. Did. So he will, th- if you come back, if Texas wants to drop eight against him and just play three down, okay, he will run it now. Yeah, that's yeah. this is a high level coaching matchup, and you just said it. Uh, thinking Harbaugh Saban, uh, oh. I know I know we'll have the FSU argument, but man, that is a much more exciting conversation to. Uh, Are we gonna to break ratings for, for this college football playoff? Possible. Uh, Possible. Thinking about the brands and the coaches and the stars and the offenses. You know what I mean? Are we going the, the Michigan controversy? Yeah. Cause that'll be discussed. I think you might. We might. Uh, you know, Texas is a huge brand. Washington is kind of the outlier, but you know they're Seattle's a really good a team. Big market though, and they've been on. Uh, I think they've been on the center stage a couple times this year with that Pac-12, you know, blow up, uh, beating Oregon twice, had college game day in Seattle once this year. We'll come back. We'll pick it up. There's Rod's rant. We'll hear from Sark. He was uh, he joined the college football playoff crew yesterday on ESPN after the Longhorns were announced as the three seed. They will play Washington at the Sugar Bowl. Get your tickets now. I saw where tickets in the upper deck, Rod, going for thirteen to fifteen hundred bucks. Say each. what? Excuse me. Yeah. Whoa. Yo. Dang it. <laughs> Get your tickets now. I guess I uh, won't be. I guess I, I need a on friend. The, on the secondary market. I'm going to need a friend. You know what? I know Ty knows a guy. Ty knows a lot of people. Oh, Ty's already got a ticket. I got I to gotta hook up. See, I knew Ty would have to hook up. Come on, How does Ty. Rod B not have a hookup and you have a hookup? So you can get a hookup if you want yeah, to. I don't know if I want to get my well, – I, we'll I save my hookup for Houston, yeah, we'll, H-Town. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> save my hookup for H-Town, baby. If you're going to spend 1500 to three grand on two tickets, go to that game. Then you've got to pony up the next week if they win. Exactly. I'm going to save up for H-Town for me because at least I can – I don't have to worry about room and board out there. I, well, and for folks who are just coming to this, if Texas does win – we talked about this last week. If the Texas can get into that Sugar Bowl – their next trip, if they could win it, would be to Houston. Yes, so sir. two short road trips as far as the crow flies for the Longhorns. Imagine a national title game for Texas in the H-Town. Ooh, boy. How much burnt orange is going to show up out there? We will be back. We'll wow. pick it up on the other side. We'll hear from Sark. We'll pick up the Florida State conversation because there's great arguments on both sides of that debate. Should Alabama be in or should Florida State? We'll also hit the bullish or BS. It took them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man. Uh, Longhorn fans fired up this morning, fired up yesterday morning with the announcement of uh, not just a Big 12 championship and a 12-1 season, but uh, their opportunity to play in the college football playoff for the first time ever as a program. Their last chance at a national championship was 2009, and quite honestly, Rod, they really haven't been close to being talked about in the Final Four nope. since then. And uh, here they are back relevant, big time on a national stage. But the big debate outside of Texas is uh, the Alabama-Florida State decision. And we heard Boo Corrigan earlier, Rod, talking about why Florida State is out. We'll pick that up. Uh, people visceral on both sides of this. There are those who are adamant that they made a terrible call and those who I think you and I are in the, in the camp of 
both can be right. Yeah. Both, can, but at the same time, it is you got to you know realize it's about TV networks and ratings and money. Uh, it really is, and it's the matchup entertainment product, man. It's it's uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, the ethical, the right thing to do. We've been taught our whole lives was that the thirteen and zero champion should be in. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Jordan Travis, I just feel so bad for Jordan Travis. Can't imagine. Hey, real quick before we uh, hear from Sark, because Sark joined the college football playoff guys, right? They're college football guys on ESPN right after the announcement for for Texas. And uh, hear a little bit of that conversation. It's really good. Uh, But the appreciation for everybody that we got to meet and see in Arlington and in Dallas and um, to our travel partners at One Source Gas, my buddy Richard Strever and his team for helping us get up there, Travis Tindall and his group at Hay City Store, nice. and, of course, Taste on Main. And then, man, what a uh, – Terry Black's barbecue was awesome on Friday afternoon with Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton and Patrick Davis doing extra work, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So a lot of cool people out there. And then, man, the, we, if we ever go back, whenever we go back to AT&T Stadium, Rod, we're going to Jay Gilligan's. That place is it's holding awesome. it down. Oh, it's it awesome. Great? Oh, it's a great spot. <laughs> Uh, people are great. The uh, the staff is wonderful, and it's that shuttle right over the stadium is a mile away, and they have t- a ton of room, things. and it was fun, man. Nice. Um, and yes, the the Irish nachos are on point. At, uh, Irish Jake. nachos, okay. Just think, just think like Quick a plate of nachos, Ron. Okay, what makes but them Irish? They're potato skins. Oh, <laughs> like take like potatoes. And then just pour a bunch of good stuff the, on them. The nachos, <laughs> toppings on potatoes. Yeah, it's not chips. It's like potatoes. Ah. Sliced up oh, potatoes. Are we talking about thicker potatoes? Pretty thick. Thin? Pretty thick. They're pretty thick. Well, kind of in between. Interesting. Okay. I like actually, Cheese. I could see that working. Do we have some bacon on these? Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking potato oh, yeah. skins. Loaded potato skins. So my potato skins are loaded, but then I add the nachos, the nacho toppings. Yes, sir. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, ooh, okay. Yes. Come yes. a little dish. Yes, I'm down. I am you, down. You're for one of the table. I am down. That yeah. sounds awesome. Thank you, uh, Randy Ford and the crew <laughs> at Jay Gillis. Hey, let's get to uh, this. This is Sark talking uh, to the guys after the announcement. It'll speak for itself with Reese Davis and the crew. Texas resurgence is Steve Sarkeesian, kind enough to join us now. Sark, I imagine there, there weren't a lot of nerves. You had to feel pretty good about what you guys had put together in terms of your resume and chance to get in the playoff. But when you saw your team pop up at number three, How would you describe the emotion? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, I, think, I think our players kind of exuded all of the emotions <laughs> that we had. You know, uh, when, when you don't know, which is always the most difficult part when there's a committee and, and you're not an undefeated team, uh, there's always going to be that uh, little bit of nervousness, anxiety, because you just don't know, right, what, what, what the discussions are in that room. But uh, I, I think you just saw the excitement from our players. Uh, I know from our fan base, everybody involved. Uh, this has been a heck of a journey for us. Uh, and so to, to, earn a, to earn a seat at the table, to, 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 be, in the, to be in this tournament uh, is one that uh, you know, we're, uh, we're humbled by but excited for as well. I know it's not the first time that you've gone against uh, a program, university, a place where you once coached before, but uh, got the head coaching career started and at Washington. You know a little bit about turnaround there. What did you think when you saw you were going to be matched up against the Huskies? <laughs> kind of ironic, I, I, I think, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, Washington still holds a, 
a special place to me. Uh, I got my first head coaching opportunity there and had five uh, just tremendous trying to rebuild that program. And uh, what Coach DeBoer has been able to do and, and, and what they've been able to do over the last couple of seasons has really been a tremendous run. And ironically, you know, we played them in the Alamo Bowl a year ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's some familiarity there. They've got a heck of a team, really talented offense. Uh, they're running the ball extremely well right now with Dylan Johnson. And they're playing really good defense. So uh, we know we're going to need this extra preparation to get ourselves prepared to play. But I know our kids are excited. You know, anytime that you get an opportunity to, to, to play a team of the quality of, of Washington, undefeated team, Pac-12 champ, uh, it's a great challenge. But like I said, one, one we're looking forward to. Hey, Coach Booger here. Hey, I think you've built, if not, maybe the most talented roster in America. How do you get that roster week in and week out, especially as we come to the bowl game, to play to their optimal level? Because I don't think they always have. Yeah, I think that's always the challenge, especially when you're a team that is building a program. Um, you know, our culture has been one that's kind of grown from year one to year two, year two to year three. And now you put yourself in that position where we are as talented uh, as just about anybody we go play. Uh, and when we played our capability, man, we are, we're an electric team in all three phases. It's learning how to do that consistently. And so that's where our growth, I think, continues to go. Um, I think the beauty of our team is, you know, so much is made of one side of the ball or the other that our team isn't playing well. But inevitably, when we played really good offense and our defense maybe hasn't been on our best, our offense has been able to, to make up for it. When we struggle a little offensively, maybe when Quinn was out, our defense was able to step up and play to, to play a, a high level of football. So I think the versatility of our team has helped us kind of work ourselves through that. But, but I do think the last few weeks, last couple weeks of this season, you know, we've kind of really put it all together uh, and, and just proud of the leadership of these guys and the trust that these guys have had and what it takes to be a championship caliber team week in and week out. Go, uh, go. All right, there you go. There's Steve Sarkeesian. Good stuff right there. How about uh, Booger McFarland saying uh, best roster left? Uh, they've already beaten Alabama, who's sitting at four. Michigan's really good team, too. Uh, but as you said, uh, really intriguing matchups. Uh, but a lot of folks weighing in on the Florida State-Alabama debate, Rod. This says BS, guys. Uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State won the national championship with a third-string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Florida State was not given the same opportunity. Precedent had been set. Uh, it was doable. ACC should boycott all of the bowl games this season. I got to go back and look. It's a great point about how Ohio State, how did they look, though? Didn't they, they were, they, they, they closed strong. Yeah, with Cardell Jones. Yeah, they That's were looking. The like they were look, Remember, Cardell Jones, like, played himself to be an NFL, like, what are you on the prospect. draft? He was a prospect at that point. I think he went undrafted, but. Yeah, he, he got drafted they, in, like, the third round. No, did later not? Uh, he got I think drafted. He did get drafted, but it was a late, late round. I don't remember. But yeah, he went was. from, from third string but quarterback, playing, big, we, we don't yes. play school, to. Basically, the NFL were like, you know what, he's an NFL player. Well, and that, look, again, that's a fair point about Ohio State, but if you watch the game on Saturday night, the ACC yeah. championship game was almost unwatchable. That's what I'm saying. Go watch how Ohio State closed that season. I know they – like I said, I don't remember exactly how they did. Fourth-round pick, pick 139. There you go. Oh, so you were close, Ty. He's, it, it, their situation was better. Their third string – they're like Texas. If, Texas. if they had Arch Manning as their third-string quarterback right now, Florida State be in. Yes, they right. were in. That's it's exactly just that simple. Right. They, their, floor, their third string quarterback was just too inept, and that opened the door for it. Trust me, I, I agree. It's, it sucks. I guess no, <laughs> you, can, you can't explain that away. Like, well, that is just horrible. And they had two like prominent nationally watched games with him, the backup quarterback playing. Right, the Florida game, they were not impressive. Yep. They beat a five and seven Florida team that were trailing late, and then the LSU. I mean, the Louisville game was sixteen to six. And should the eye test be 
the, the, the answer, but that was what leads to a visceral debate. And let's hear from, um, we heard Boo Corrigan explaining why. And remember, Boo Corrigan, people forget this, the committee chairman is the, an ACC guy. He's the AD at North Carolina State. So, the, you know, he, he, he's only one vote of the 13. But let's hear a couple of the, uh, the arguments from both sides and the passionate arguments. Here, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. Uh, here's what he had to say. Dennis Dodd, of course, has covered college football for a long, long time. His argument, um, you know, against Alabama being in. It's an abomination that Alabama's in, and I'll tell you why. What the committee is saying by doing this is that Florida State plays a version of football that is so inferior to a team that went 12-1 and from the SEC. And let's make, let's make this clear. The SEC had a down year, slightly, but a down year, below 500 against the other power conferences. Its best win was Kentucky against Louisville. If I'm Mike Norvell, I'm calling the attorney general right now. I, I, it's, it's unbelievable. All right, so there's Dennis Dodd, passionate. How about uh, we heard from Booger McFarland? He, he was as, as argument, I mean, as passionate as anybody on the ESPN set yesterday. But how about this? Bryant McFadden, uh, the former uh, cornerback in the NFL, Rod, who is doing some analysis oh, yeah. now for ESPN. He does well. Uh, here's what he had to say, Bryant McFadden, um, you know, on ESPN. Uh, they, they move the goalposts for SEC teams, specifically speaking, Alabama. And heck, Georgia probably would have had a, a, a better chance of getting in. Also, even with the one loss, losing yesterday. The SEC, let's keep it real. The SEC for such a long time has been a dominant conference. But this year, no. Florida State played two SEC opponents. They covered the spread in both. They beat one by 21 points, if I'm not mistaken. At that time, LSU was top five in the country, right? We beat. Florida with our second-string quarterback on the road in the swamp, a rival, right? Alabama needed a miracle to beat their bad rival. We didn't need a miracle to beat our rival. We just played physical football and beat our rival and covered the spread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then there's this argument, which is true. Florida State ran the Wildcat for half the game because they couldn't complete a pass. And, again, exactly. that's, that's where yeah. we're at. Um, and, and going back to that Ohio State argument from 2014, when Cardell Jones got into the game, so he basically was the starting quarterback for their Big Ten championship, the Big Ten championship, the uh, semifinal game, and then national title game. They won 59-0, 42-35, and 42-20. They could score. The TV show was still good. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> we're like, we're still good. They're still good. Oh, this guy's good. This guy's good. Yeah, exactly. That's, he got drafted that's the in the NFL, uh, into the NFL, yeah. and we know that was a – That's what they were waiting on. If that third-string quarterback had lit it up, they'd been like, you know what? Yeah. I need to put him in, You're right man. by that. You're 100% right by that. And should the eyeball test matter? Let's hear Paul Feinbaum real quick from the other side uh, arguing for Alabama. Now, there were plenty of people advocating for it, including Kirk Herbstreit. But here's Paul Feinbaum uh, on ESPN yesterday. This is easy. Alabama should get in. I mean, it is absurd to keep using this phrase deserving. I agree. I, I, I know how you feel about it. It's the four best teams in the country. Let's quit trying to make this complicated. Texas and Alabama is a difficult conversation. Alabama and, and Florida State is not a difficult conversation. Florida State's best win was against LSU on the first weekend. Move them out of the way. I don't care what their record is. So I had, a, I had an analyst on the show this week. They got to go in. No, they don't have to go in. Alabama would have just beaten Georgia in the state of Georgia. Put them in. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum. So there's your debates uh, yeah. ongoing. What a, some people bring up, uh, Bama didn't look that great when he played Auburn. It's like, yeah, uh, so I, trust me. It's... Bama almost lost to Auburn. Should have lost to Auburn. Uh, yeah. But you know what? If, if Auburn had made that play at the end, then oh. fourth and 20-31, we, would uh, we wouldn't be talking about we this. We wouldn't be talking about it at all. Florida State would be in. Well, that, that's an interesting question, Rod. Would they have put Georgia in? 
over Alabama if Alabama had lost. And honestly, I think you're right. They might have screwed Florida State anyhow. Yep. Because now look, I mean, Vegas is telling you this. Georgia, Georgia is playing Florida State in the in the Orange Bowl now. That's the complimentary, Mm -hmm. or that's the The late consolation consolation prize. And Vegas has Georgia as an early two touchdown favorite against Florida State. I think you're righty. Unless, like I said, Florida State looks great offensively. But we have got the same offensive result and product that we got in that ACC championship. And then, yeah, you had obviously Bama but you know what? My, my, lose early. But. I'm going to stay consistent. I think they would have put Florida State in because I think the, 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 the deciding factor would have been conference championship. SEC has one. SEC is a conference okay. champion of a Power 5 conference with a okay. – their one loss is to a team who's in the playoff uh, in Texas. Which, so it's a quality loss, and their win over Georgia – gives them the championship. Georgia wouldn't have had a championship, and they no. wouldn't have had a 12th win. No. Uh, so then that would have gotten even closer, I think. And it yeah. might have been Florida State in this, and they would have had to go play Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it would have made, made the committee's job. Whole, like, they wouldn't have to dive into the controversy then. Yeah, they would have it out. They would have it out. In this case, you know, we're comparing five conference champions, impressive mm-hmm. conference champions for four spots. It's going to be hard to uh, make that pick. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, bullish or BS? We're kind of having that debate right now, bullish or BS. We get bullish or BS on some NFL topics as well. Uh, The Texas women's basketball team with a huge win yesterday. Scotty Scheffler with a big win at the Hero World Challenge. We are loaded on a Monday. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. By the way, I heard a lot of people who were bullish on the Nelly performance at halftime of the Big 12 championship game. I did not see it. They thought it was bad or good? Good. Oh, I heard it was bad. I liked it. You liked it? Okay. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance. I heard, I heard he looked old. Michael Taft's uh, brother and dad became a viral meme. They were, oh, they, they were, did? They were Peter was on? Peter Peter yeah. was a meme? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Peter's a good, good guy playing a fantasy funny. football league with him. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch. I watched. I, I saw some of it, but we were doing the, on the in Texas on Texas yeah. live foot live live uh, in game live watch, and so I didn't get a chance to hear it. I saw some of it, but I I was told by several people that he looked old. Well, performance-wise. He, he got a lot of good comments on social media. I guess is what I'll say. Now the the national anthem thing, singer Warren Ziders. Did not get a lot of uh, oh, people love. Didn't like that. New. Is it country? Singer? It was. Yeah, it's kind of folky country. Okay. Um, also, people bullish on either sides of this Florida-Alabama debate. This, this says the decision was not, not about – this decision was about not having Jordan Travis, not about ACC. We all saw the unwatchable football games with the third-string quarterback. He's no Cardell Jones. This says yeah. uh, uh, they threw for 55 yards in the championship game. Yes, I mean, it should, yeah. but those who are arguing for it said that shouldn't matter. They won the game. They found a way win. with a backup quarterback to yeah. win the game. Yeah, that's what it's about, right? You yes. play to win the game. Yes. <laughs> and you yes. won the game. What's the, what's the other point well, arguing for? And Brian McFadden's point's pretty good, too. This was a down year for the SEC outside of Georgia and Bama. What are their great wins? I mean, Georgia's best win is now Missouri, right? Um, or Ole Miss. Uh, those are their best wins. Right. Both were in Athens. Um, you know, Alabama's best win is what, you know, becomes the question. Uh, speaking of bullish and BS, can we hear Steve Sarkeesian? Steve Sarkeesian's bullish on his football team. Give me this. He actually uses, uses our, 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 our moniker here. I love it. Here's Sark on uh, his team. Maybe a little bullish of me saying, but we'll play anybody in the country. Like, I, I don't, I'm not shying away from that part. Like, I feel very comfortable if we get in this, if we get into this tournament. Um, we'll play anybody and we'll find out if we're good enough or not. But I, I feel like we have the team, the culture, the scheme and the versatility of this team to play against anybody. There you go. There you go. That's uh, yeah, uh, I agree with them. bullish. 
You're mm-hmm. bullish on that? I don't yeah. well, With a month to prepare, a month to get healthy. I think the toughest matchup is Washington for them just because of the – uh, the, the secondary and the pass defense, tech, that's the obvious weakness on defense for Texas, and they have NFL wide receivers, and this will be the best quarterback they face. Last quarterback they faced that was legit, Dylan Gabriel, and that was he was able to exploit Texas in some ways. So that's the only thing that really worries me, but Texas still, I mean, that's why Texas is favored. Yeah. Texas is still favored. In By there. five, according to Vegas yeah. early, early line, five, five and a half. Uh, all right, Rod, uh, you know, we know the Cowboys. You're bullish on the Cowboys. They got a chance to move into first place. They play the Eagles on Sunday night. How about the 49ers just dismantling them yesterday? We mentioned six straight drives. They scored six touchdowns in a row. It's crazy. 450 yards on 47 plays. The, the, the Niners are, are healthy. They're a machine. They've beaten the best two teams, the other two teams in the NFC, Philly and Dallas, by 23 and 32 points. They haven't played Detroit, but I have a feeling they do the same thing to Detroit, by the way. They're really, really good. Yeah. But on the Texans, at 7-5 and five now, winning yesterday, more with their defense and with C.J. Stroud, are you are you bullish? Will Anderson had two sacks and tipped the ball, and he blocked a punt. He was awesome yesterday. Game wrecker. Derek Stingley had two interceptions. The yeah, other, remember their third pick a couple for years him ago. To start making uh, an impact. Uh, the, the Tank Dell injury is big. He won't come back this year. He broke his leg, yeah. unfortunately. I don't know what Tank Dell do, was doing in the interior offensive line blocking. Yeah, get out I, of there. I didn't see the play. <laughs> you know, I he go was, back and watch that it was play. a Damian Pierce touchdown run up the middle. Oh, and they had him blocking. And he's like in the – yeah, he got rolled up on it. It's like, yeah. uh, either way, it's just bad luck. Yeah, uh, Dalton Schultz will be back for them. But are you bullish on the Texans making the playoffs in the AFC? Mm. Got the Jets this week yeah. at the Jets. That's going to be tough. I mean, they, they can they can do it, certainly. Uh, but I don't know if I'm bullish on it. They're, they're ahead of schedule. I'm happy where the Texans are. I don't need to be greedy. I'm not greedy. Well, when you're I'm when you're greedy, when you're when you're building a team, you're looking. The Texans have foundational players. Yeah, they're, they're. C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, Derek Stingley. They're ahead of schedule. We thought and they, Nico Collins, a second-year receiver, and Tank Dell. I mean, nobody saw them. Good offensive the line. They can win double-digit games this year. And I think they can get in. There's seven spots. Mm. Now, in don't let's not sleep on Indianapolis because Shane Steichen's doing an no, equally great it, job too. They're seven and five as well. We'll see when we get close to the end if CJ Stroud's still playing at this higher level. Sometimes now without Tank Dell. Yeah, sometimes for the rookies, you know, you see that rookie wall hit that rookie wall a little bit. I think you may hit a rookie wall with CJ Stroud. Nothing wrong. And he's getting banged up. You see him limping off the field all the time. It's football. It's a long season. And Texans have been banged up all year. I, I think. Yeah, I just think. I think they may have peaked, and I don't know if they're going to hit another level. And you need another level to make the playoffs. Agreed with that. Yeah. Uh, we'll also mention that the Denver Broncos had been the hottest team in pro football before that game. They had won mm-hmm. five in a row. That's true. So that was not just uh, right oh, Denver. That. Uh, that was a big win. Yeah, Russell Wilson was playing really well. Yep, he was. And they uh, held him to 17, bunch of sacks, bunch of turnovers. Nice job. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, it's Hook him Up with Ian Rodby, all Texas, all the time, here on uh, our five-hour morning sports conversation on a Monday.